This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He oh, plays. Oh, he's the Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host Ishmael Johnson. Joining me from Austin, Central Texas. I don't know exactly where you live. I'm not trying to dox you. Mike Craven, college football insider. What's up, man? I like to keep it that way. What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll keep it very nebulous with just that region of Texas. Uh, and joining us back after a couple weeks off, producer Mallory. What's up? How's it going, guys? Yeah, you're back. You've been busy. Uh, you've I've been, been busy. You've been you've been hitting us with the rundown, though. I've, I've, I've tasked you with kind of and posting and, and posting. So you're, <laughs> you're still behind the scenes doing stuff, but you're joining us now. Yes. Very happy to have you back after a couple weeks off. Thank you. Yeah, your your Spartans are off to a good start too. You're donning uh, Michigan State gear right now. I think I could make an entire podcast over how I feel about my team right now, oh, but I'm not going to because this is Texas and, <laughs> and, and nobody care. Out. Nobody listening to this podcast cares about Michigan State, so it's fine. I will, we'll move you, on. I'll, I will give you permission <laughs> if they beat Miami this weekend. I'll give you permission to brag about them for a period of time next week. Are you, are you kidding? You're serious I'm about serious. this? Ish. You found the way to my heart. A little brief brag, but if they beat Miami, I'll give you a little little chance to, to shout about what, what they're what, what they're uh, doing good this year. All right, I'm gonna call my friend Mel Tucker down there and there uh, hey, if we get Mel Tucker on the show, I don't care about he does Texas podcast like this whole. He does follow us on Twitter, Dave Campbell's account on Twitter. So. Mike, we got to make this happen with Mel Tucker now because I didn't know this was a thing. So, <laughs> right, I'm with it. All righty. So um, anyway, we're going we're gonna to start off with some news and notes. Uh, the biggest news and notes of the weekend, Houston headed to the Big 12 officially this past weekend, along with BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF. Uh, of course, they're, at, they're, they're adding those teams to make up for losing Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. So... What are your kind of Mike? What are kind of your thoughts on that? I mean, Houston. It seems like it's always been the bridesmaid, never the bride, when it comes to this, these realignment talks. There was always the the uh, the mention of like, oh, these Big Twelve teams don't want Houston and this Houston market entering their their kind of area. But now it seems like they have no choice because of how this realignment could go if they didn't add these teams that they needed to basically wake up this quote unquote sleeping giant that we see in Houston. Yeah. I mean, I think for the big 12, it was an obvious choice. Uh, you want to keep as big of a blueprint in the state of Texas as you can with UT leaving Houston felt like a, a you know, a, kind of a hole or a void to fill there. And for Houston, I mean, look, as the, as the older statesman in this, uh, on this podcast, I mean, I remember when the Southwest Conference broke up, mm -hmm. and I remember what that did at the University of Houston. I was living in Missouri City at the time. And so uh, for them, it's exciting. You know, as somebody who kind of grew up watching those games, I'm, you know, I'm ready for Houston versus Texas Tech on a, on a yearly basis and, and like some of those kind of drawback games. So I know the fans at, at Houston are very excited. I know it'll renew some rivalries that have kind of been, you know, lost to time over the last couple of decades. So uh, for what the Big 12 could do, I think they did as well. And I, I think they chose the schools that, that best fit that conference and can help add some markets in there that they may need. Yeah, the thing I'm, I'm really curious about is now you have UCF entering the pool and 
that opens up the Florida recruiting market. And as we see with programs like FAU and, of course, UCF uh, right there, that talent pool, in addition to Texas, like just opens up a whole new world because then you start to go into that entire – like you can start recruiting some of the guys that may not be – SEC caliber, but are just below, and maybe some some that do fall through the cracks, um, that maybe can't start right away at an Alabama or LSU. Now all of a sudden you open up that whole region, that whole Southeast mm-hmm. Conference recruiting region, which I think, I mean, outside of Conference USA, it's really hard to get like a Florida and Texas recruiting ground. And so, like you know, does that mean a Baylor or a Houston or something can find some talent around the Miami Dade, you know, Dade County area, which would be insane to think about. But like, I, I do like that possibility. Um, one thing I do want to mention uh, uh, is that there was some criticism. I don't say criticism, but some there was some uh, confusion as to why SMU maybe didn't get in the bid. I had a theory that I think they didn't. I think that was. I don't want to say it was, a, it was solely a TCU call, but I feel like that was largely. TCU's and Baylor and Tech saying, hey, look, let's get the Houston market, but there's no reason to add another DFW market, especially one that's really flourishing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Tech, TCU, uh, you know, even Baylor to a large extent, Dallas is their kind of home recruiting base. Mm-hmm. You add SMU in there with the fact that they are in Dallas, unlike TCU out in Fort Worth. Um, yeah, that would really hurt recruiting. And so I think it was kind of a uh, if we're going to add another school in Texas, Houston is less of a threat on our recruiting trail. And it adds, you know, it's easier. you got to recruit moms and dads and stuff, mm-hmm. too. And when you know you're going to play in that city or that state, you know, every other year for the next four years, that makes it easier to sign off on, okay, you know, go over to Texas Tech. I know I'm going to see you back in Houston every other year. And so uh, for a lot of the teams in the Big 12, adding Houston is an advantage. Adding SMU would have been a disadvantage. Yeah. And I know that officially this is uh, fall of 2023, but, of course, we – we don't know officially yet because we we probably might anticipate Texas and Oklahoma looking to leave a little sooner. So who knows if that expedites things. Um, but of course, this is all slated to officially take place as of right now for the fall of 2023. So in two years, um, I would not be shocked to see it maybe expedite itself a little bit quicker, um, depending on, of course, if Texas and Oklahoma are willing to pay those fees that would come along with uh, breaking the contract early. Um, I don't know. Did you have any? Do you, did you think we could possibly see this a little earlier? Oh, I mean, I'd be shocked if they actually, if any of it went to their final contracts. I, I would think Texas OU are in the SEC by next year at the latest the year after, and, and this stuff gets moved along as quickly as that does. So yeah. I, I don't, I know that they have to talk about it, but I don't see a scenario where there's a 13, 14 team, Big 12 with, you know, Texas and OU still still there when this all goes down. Sure, sure. Uh, moving on, uh, mentioning SMU. And, you know, let's kind of branch that out to the AAC and to some other conferences now, because, of course, AAC loses four prominent members, um, and they're obviously looking to expand now. And so there's going to be a domino effect that affects schools like in Conference USA, North Texas, Rice, UTEP, UTSA, because, you you know, AAC is going to be looking for candidates now. And so... And of course, the Sun Belt came out, and 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 uh, I believe last week, and also said they'll be looking to also potentially expand, especially if they lose members to potentially the AAC, um, or if they hold Pat, because I do believe the Sun Belt is kind of in a weirdly solid position as far as as far as being in a good spot. You know, last year they were arguably the best Group of Five conference. Um, and they don't really need, unless it's enticing from certain members like Louisiana or App State to go to the AAC, they don't really need teams to to move around. Or they're not really seeing teams really fun needing to, to escape. And so they're in a position to almost add teams as well. I'm curious to see 
what the AAC does because they had this before this this realignment happened they kind of uh, position themselves as the prominent group of five conference and so that kind of, in my opinion that kind of limits to the caliber of teams they're going to be looking at right so you th- I think of the app states I mentioned Louisiana I think of Charlotte kind of burging into themselves I think of UTSA potentially but also the Sun Belt should be looking at those programs too. I think the Sun Belt should also should absolutely be looking at UTSA, North Texas, especially with the rumors of U- UTA looking to add football, but uh, the Sun Belt potentially looking to get rid of non-football teams. So if UTA doesn't add football, they could be out of the conference as well. So there come, there becomes a Texas opening. I would love personally for it to be more uh, uh, add more Texas teams because that was always my only gripe with the Sun Belt. Um, and so I'm curious if they do decide to go after a Rice or a UNT or something. Um, and that, I mean, that spells an interesting thing for Conference USA too, because do they go down? Do they go? Do they try to get somebody like James Madison in FCS? Um, I don't know. It's going to be a crazy domino effect. I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be musical chairs. There's going to be a lot of, of projections out there, uh, you know, a lot of rumors. And you just, what's, what's interesting about this stuff is you have to take in so many different variables. Do you mm-hmm. take into account their current records and their momentum as programs right now? Do you care more about their markets and what they do for television ratings? Do you mm-hmm. care more about their markets in terms of recruiting and how much talent is there? And if other teams can kind of tap into that and use that to elevate the conference as a whole, I think you have to care about all three of those things. And so, uh, I think any of the conferences that are trying to expand, Texas, Florida, those kind of places are going to always get poached. Uh, North Texas is close enough to Dallas to try to get that DFW market. You know, Rice with their academics and the Houston market is always appealing. You know, UTSA, you know, San Antonio is the seventh largest market in the country. So mm-hmm. that one's going to be as appeal- uh, appealing as well. And so for these schools, you just got to pick dance partners. You know, I think if the pro- if the playoffs get expanded and then eventually if, ex- keep getting expanded over and over and over again, the difference between P5 and G5 starts to water down a little bit. And at that point, it just becomes about, do you want your conferences to be regional? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to be more national to have a bigger reach? What is the better uh, way to get into streaming and television money as those markets also rapidly change? And, the, you know, the price points of that kind of stuff change around it as well. So yeah. it's an unprecedented time in college football um, and a lot of moving parts on the media side and on the market side. And it'll be, I mean, there's going to be a, a lot of movement, I think, over the next couple of years. Yeah. One more team I didn't mention was Liberty. Of course, independent, uh, kind of flourishing right now. We'll see if Hugh Freeze hangs around there or not. But regardless, they are kind of an intriguing prospect. Um, one thing I was reading from Chris Fanini, the, the Athletic, when he mentioned James Madison, potentially to Conference USA, is they... I think that idea of having that Virginia Beach market in Conference USA with Old Dominion as well is pretty enticing because if you can lock up that, that's a pretty underrated market as far as recruiting and television goes. Um, if you can lock up James Madison and Old Dominion in Conference USA, I think that's a pretty uh, okay bet, especially if you're at risk of losing some of these other uh, probably more bankable markets like a, like a San Antonio or, or Denton area. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's going to be musical chairs. It's going to be really mm-hmm. interesting. I am really curious to see how this all unfolds because it, it feels like it's coming in the next couple weeks. Yeah, and, and not to mention, like I know we're talking about football here, but these teams getting added to the Big 12, mm-hmm. there's going to be much more of a banger basketball conference oh gosh, too. Yeah, I mean, the Houston market, yes. Cincinnati, mm-hmm. I mean – crazy i'm really excited to watch to watch that all happen in, in the basketball perspective as well that might be the best best basketball conference in the country from yeah top to yeah bottom. oh 100 100 for sure all righty so moving on to this week's slate of games 
Uh, well, of course, we'll keep track of the realignment stuff as it, as it happens. Um, we're very excited. I mean, personally, I'm very excited for Houston. You know, I mentioned it. Um, I'm very excited for, for Houston getting this opportunity. It's been like, like I mentioned, it's been a long time coming for this program, it seems, uh, and finally getting there just due as a major market. Um, but yeah, moving on to this week's slate of games, two, two weeks off, uh, two teams off this week, excuse me. Uh, we have TCU and UTEP both on buys. And uh, let's go into the week, starting with Mallory. Take it away from here, starting with the first game. Texas A&M versus New Mexico. That game is being played on Saturday, September 18th at 11 a.m. You can watch it on the SEC Network is what I put on there. And Texas A&M favored by 29.5 points, which I think is is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Haynes King is going to be out. Yeah. So I think I don't know if that was made that projection was made before he got hurt mm-hmm. or after, but I know that sophomore quarterback uh, Zach. How do you pronounce Calzada. his last? Calzada. Calzada. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he looked pretty good in the in the game against Colorado. Um, completed eighteen out of thirty eight passes, two hundred seven yards, and one touchdown. I think he'll be okay in this next game against New Mexico. But from there on, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. this is my uh, this will be my coffee Saturday game because I'll be probably waking up around this yep. time because <laughs> um, I do not like to wake up early <laughs> on Saturdays. Um, Man, I, what time do you wake up normally? <laughs> it's a Saturday. Third of it. It's a Saturday. What do you mean? It's around like 10, 10, 10 30. Come on now. Oh man, wait until you hit like mid thirties. You just start waking up at seven a.m. No matter what. <laughs> oh no, that sounds <laughs> awful. Jeez. Um, oh jeez. I don't. I think this line's. <sighs> New Mexico's not that great. Yeah. Um, and I think, of course, A&M will win very comfortably. I wasn't that impressed. I wasn't that impressed with what A&M was trying to do offensively last week with Calzada. I thought they threw way too much with him. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if they get back to what Jimbo likes to do, which is getting roughly 30 carries between um, Achan and Spiller. If they do that, then I, I like this line, but I still think this is one of those lines that, like, Jim- Jimbo teams just don't run – it up like that you know I mm-hmm. even even I don't know even in games that they're really favored in or they handle pretty comfortably you know he wins by 20 mm-hmm. 24 um it's not a complete domination yeah it's not a complete domination as far and as far as like it's not like flashy either so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna take New Mexico State New Mexico covering excuse me um but I mean I think AM wins handily but if this is like you know 24 point win 27 point win I see that mostly in, in play yeah yeah, I mean, I, I don't think A&M does anything here to try to put Calzada at a lot of risk. You know, mm-hmm. you're already down a quarterback. You're not going to drop him back and throw 40 times and, and get him hurt in a game that you should win by just running the football and playing defense. So I think this is more of a confidence-building game for him. He completed less than 50% of his passes, you know, in those three quarters he played uh, against Colorado. So give him some easy passes, get the offense going, give a heavy dose of Spiller, a, a heavy dose of a chain like you were talking about. Uh, really run the football, rely on your defense, and get out of there. You don't have to worry about covering. And uh, for gamblers, you know, you never really want to bet on anything this close to 30 anyway. Right, yeah. I was looking back on last week. Uh, nine carries for a Chan, eight carries for Spiller. In a game that didn't get out of hand, like they weren't trying. I mean, of course it was like they were down, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like a, a insurmountable lead. So it really baffled me a bit that he had roughly 38 passes because I never thought it was a game that they really needed to be reaching. And Jimbo mentioned that after the game. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you could tell he was upset with himself and, and just kind of how that game kind of progressed offensively. He's mentioned multiple times since then about getting back to what they do best. So I'd imagine 
it's about a 40 to 50 carry game combined there for those two. I think that he's going to feed them the rock a lot. Right. Mallory, what's next? Next game on our slate of games, SMU at La Tech. That game is being played Saturday, September 18th at 2.30 p.m. And you can watch this on the CBS Sports Network, I believe. SMU favored by 12.5 points. Um, I like this game yeah. a lot. I think it's going to be a really fast-paced game. I think a lot of points are going to be scored on both ends. Um a lot of yardage. I think this will be a good test for SMU, too. Yeah. I don't think they've really been tested this season. Um, I think they looked really good last week in the in the second half of the game against UNT. Um, it, it took them until the second half to really find their rhythm yeah. and really get going. But once they did, they looked pretty good. Yeah. So I, th- hit, I think this game will be a good test for them as well. They hit a lot of big plays. And yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking back on LaTeX's game against Southeastern Louisiana. They almost gave up 500 yards passing. Um, yeah, so I feel yeah. like this is going to be a very high-scoring game. Yes. I do like LaTeX as a program. I think uh, uh, Skip Holtz has done a really good job there, and they're one of the teams to always watch in Conference USA. Um, but I do think this is going to be a fun, fun game yeah. offensively. I'm trying to find um, SMU's uh, SP Plus rating because, yeah, it, they got a, they got a nice little scare last week, right? They, yeah, that UNT first was, half was... UNC was very much in that game. And then SMU hit a couple big plays. Ulysses Bentley hit a big play, um, and then Tanner Mordecai kind of shut off, shut, shut off some mm-hmm. um, some cobwebs. But this is a team. This is a game of defenses that really aren't that great right now, or at least trying to find their way so far. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I think I'm going to take SMU to cover this. Um, I I could see this game going either way. Right. I really could. It's hard. It's hard. Um, I don't think. The, I don't know. I don't think SMU should be favored by that much. Mm-hmm. I think it should be a lot less mm-hmm. just because these two teams are so evenly matched, I think. I think oh, I will say uh, LaTeX's uh, SP Plus defensive rating is 113th, which is a okay. lot worse than I thought it would be. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, so that they beat Southeastern Louisiana, then they lost very close to Mississippi State, which. Yeah, you know, that was know. a one point game, I believe. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. And Mississippi State court scored 21 in the final quarter. So. Um, I don't know. I like Austin Kendall at quarterback. I think he's a really good. I think uh, I forgot. I think it was uh, uh, Neil Brown that let him go from um, uh, uh, West Virginia, I believe. And, I, and it's looking like he made kind of the wrong choice because he seems to be a pretty good quarterback. I don't know. What are you thinking, Mike? Yeah, I mean, this is another. This is a tough one. It's going to be you know who gives up the most big plays. Like, yeah. I take the over. You know, if you're if you're going to gamble in this game, take the over. Mm-hmm. Uh, both defenses giving up. You know, like Jace Ruder last week for North Texas lit up SMU's defense. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the defense, it's just eliminate eliminating big plays, winning first down, and then offensively, you know, you just kind of keep doing what you're doing. I mean, that offense right now is humming. Tanner Mordecai has mm-hmm. plenty of weapons around there. We've talked about those guys. Um, so offensively, I think everything's kind of figuring out itself. Defensively, it's just keeping guys in front of you, not missing tackles, not having broken assignments. And you would hope by game three some of those mental mistakes start getting cleaned up. Yeah. The other thing to worry about with SMU is they have a big game the week following against TCU. And mm-hmm. so you hope this isn't a look-ahead game. You hope uh, that SMU's as dialed into this one as they need to be because like we, like y'all mentioned, LaTeX capable of scoring a lot of points. They barely lost to Mississippi State. So this is a team that can beat SMU at home if SMU comes in there uh, not with full focus. Yeah, I believe that SMU-TCU game was just announced this week will be on FS1, so it'll be a national broadcast as well. Um, yeah, I, that, I completely forgot about that. So there is definitely a chance for some look-ahead letdown on this one. Um, 
Either way, I'm probably going to be tuned into this one at uh, 2.30 just because it seems like it's going to be high scoring. Yeah, for sure. Um, Especially compared to this next game. Mallory, (laughs) come on. What's next? Classic Big 12. Uh, Baylor at Kansas is our next game in the slate. That is going to be played this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. as well. Uh, You can watch this game on ESPN Plus or Big 12 Network. Uh, Baylor is favored by 18 points. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas surprisingly isn't good, right? Shocking to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, they put up 14 on South. Oh, sorry. They put up 17 on South Dakota, one by three. They could not hit 24 against Coastal Carolina. Good Coastal Carolina, but, you know, still, uh, theoretically, mm-hmm. a team that they should be better than as a group of five program. Um, I think. Go ahead. Yeah. I think that this game is going to be really important to Baylor to mm. beat Kansas handily. Mm. I really, I really think they they got to beat them by a lot. Yeah, I think this is gonna be important for them. I think, yeah, I think this is to show that about right. to show that they they can compete. You right. know, yeah, this is no like I agree because last week they had a pretty they had a good stomping of Texas Southern, which uh-huh. you know, which, it, which I thought was important right, as well. Right. I think I still don't know if they were as risky in the passing game as they mm-hmm. might need to be in other games this season. Right. Um, Gary Behan, there was a chart that showed Gary Bahannon near the bottom of uh, FBS starters in terms of like more or less risky passes. And it's a lot of things in front of him. And it's a lot of things that aren't, you know, not saying he needs to thread the needle against Texas Southern, but things that aren't going to necessarily be there against Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it might not be that, that way against Kansas either, but. I wouldn't. I just still would like to see some more because right now it's still very much okay quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, that was the past couple of years. Their issue has been that they haven't even had okay quarterback play. Mm-hmm. So right. you know they might. It might be more. Um, it might be okay. I'm gonna go with Baylor covering this. I think they'll be fine just because Kansas looks really bad despite you know Jason Bean looking like a different guy in that offense. I'll say like compared to last year UNT, I think this fits him a little bit more. Yeah. What he wants to do, yeah. they're running him a lot more. Um, I believe he had uh, almost 200 yards passing, 100 yards rushing last week. Mm-hmm. It very much fits his style of co- uh, quarterback play, but I just don't think that matters against his Baylor defense. I think this is one to watch out for. This minus 18 feels a little lower than I would have thought, and that always gives me a little bit pause when Vegas makes me think a little bit about a line this mm-hmm. much. But uh, it does come down to what Bohannon we see. If he pushes the ball downfield and takes some chances, this Baylor team should roll. If he's conservative, that's allows that allows Kansas to kind of stack the box and be a few turnovers away from making this one interesting. So, you know, on paper, Baylor should be able to go in there with that dominant offensive line and just run it down their throat. If they can't, we're going to have to see Bohannon do some things that I don't know if he's comfortable doing, and that's what you were talking about earlier, and kind of taking some risk and going down the field. Because a lot of times when those check downs are open, it's open for a reason. The defense is giving you that stuff. Sometimes right. you have to you know, kind of press the pedal a little bit, and I don't know if he has the confidence yet to do that. This is one of those games to build the confidence. And mm-hmm. so uh, we're going to see what the Baylor offense really is this week more so than I think we saw last week with Texas Southern. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next, Mallory? Moving on to the evening slate. Yes. Next, we have UTSA versus Middle Tennessee, a little Conference USA matchup. Mm-hmm. That game's being played Saturday at 5 p.m. On, you can watch this game on ESPN+. And UTSA is favored by 12.5 points. Um, I think this will be an interesting game, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I uh, I know UTSA is really good, but I think Middle Tennessee did look really good in the first half against Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. ranked Virginia Tech. They held their own. Mm-hmm. I think they were only down by a score at half. Um, of course, Virginia Tech, you know, found their groove, of course, and started to pull away that second half. But 
really held their own that first half against Virginia Tech. So Yeah, I'm going to let Mike take this one first. Yeah. Roadrunners by a million? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> you're you're no, not they, biased. They, they, no, I'm not. They do, have, you know, they do have as much momentum as you could have in a program right now, and I think the good thing for them is they were able to pretty much rest their starters for a full second half last week. So mm-hmm. they're going to be pretty fresh coming into this game. The Alamo Dome should have, you know, over 20, 25,000 people in it. So it'll be probably the best atmosphere they've had since Jeff Trailer's been there. I mean, it's easy to forget last week's game against Lamar was the first time he's played a home game with fans there. So mm. there's some real energy around that program right now. They're a better team on paper than Middle Tennessee State. Of mm-hmm. course, you know, turnovers and uh, allowing some big plays, something like that uh, could get in the way. But as long as Frank Wilson makes some decisive decisions, gets the ball out of his hands, and they can run the football, uh, I, I think they win this game. Whether they cover or not, I don't know. But I do think uh, that they, they're good enough to, to win this football game as long as they don't you know, make mistakes or give up big plays. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with UTSA covering as well. Well, actually, I'm going to go with Middle Tennessee because this game was close last year. Middle Tennessee replaces some starters on offense, so that is a different thing. They're keeping somewhat of the same, uh, most of the big contributors on defense from last year. Uh, looking back on last year, the thing that was interesting to me was this was a game that Josh Atkins won. Uh, he threw for almost 250 yards passing, um, and I believe Frank. I don't know if Frank Harris was hurt or if they were still doing that kind of yo-yo thing, playing with the hot hand. Uh, Sincere McCormick was somewhat held in check, uh, almost 20 carries for just 82 yards, uh, two touchdowns. But I'm gonna go. I think UTSA wins, but I wouldn't. I'd be. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more 10 because yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, this also. I don't know, because Jeff Trailer seems like the coach that would absolutely make sure that, like, they don't have these type of letdown games at the height of momentum. So, like, I don't even want to say that. But I just think I like the defense for Middle Tennessee State. I think Mallory mentioned it last week. They did, you know, it was 14-7, I think, uh, against Virginia Tech mm-hmm. last week. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that's kind of the deal. I I, I think it was a good thing to have most of the starters rested um, by the second half against Lamar. And also um, got a lot, basically got everybody in. I think they got Atkins in, uh, Eddie, Eddie Marburger in at quarterback, um, just getting everybody some rotation. So I think about a 10-point win is more accurate as opposed to, you know, um, like 13-plus. So, And that's a really experienced football team, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you look at yeah. their two deep, and there's not a sophomore in sight. You know, those are guys that have been in that program for two, three years now. Um, so – I, I think that they I think they play a good game. I, I think they show up, and it really just comes down to how effectively they can run the football. If they can dictate first down running the football, that opens up everything for Frank Harris. If he's forced to kind of you know be in third and long, I, I think that tends to say that it's going to be a, a closer game. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to a game that absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> up next, we have Texas State versus UIW. It's being played on Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN3-ish. Take it away. <laughs> uh, Cameron Ward is terrifying. Um, I think this this to me reminds me a lot of when UTSA played UIW and everybody's like, oh, this is going to be UIW. And then UTSA just squashes them, right? It's just like <laughs> it just it's the two different wherever uh, kind of the the trajectories of two different programs are where they currently are i think texas state is firmly an fbs program i do think they win fairly handily but this does does scare me because i think cameron ward's really good and i think you this uiw offense is really good they blew out a solid prairie view team you know of course they're that that is a, a 
a talent um, uh, discrepancy a bit, but I don't think Prairie View is necessarily lunch meat compared to the rest of FCS. And they, they blew him out. I don't know. I like Cameron Ward a lot. I really think he could be a dynamic playmaker. And I don't know if Texas State's defense has played. I mean, they played Gary Bahan in week one, but I think Cameron Ward's more of a, a, a little bit more of a dynamic playmaker than him. And he can, he's definitely more of an arm talent than him. So I'm a little interested to see how this how that uh, defense, defense handles somebody like Cameron Ward being having nothing to lose either like you know they're on the road at texas state just just uh just north of home you know i don't i don't know i i think texas state will win handily but this game does scare me i do think it's one of those that can be a close first half Mm -hmm. you know uiw can put up points like you said Cameron Ward's great they're gonna throw the ball 70 percent of the time we're gonna get to see what texas state's pass rush and secondary look like i Mm -hmm. think we've seen more from their run defense with who they've played um, the first couple of weeks, so we're going to see what that's about. And Jaron Morris um, is out for uh, the news that Jaron Morris is out for the season now, uh, likely. Um, yesterday, coming out of, uh, uh, I think Kev Chardella tweeted that out. So you know that secondary is going to have to test its depth a little bit too. And what I do like about Texas State, and I, I was there yesterday as well, talking to Coach Spavadol, and you know what he talked about is in 2020 they just didn't have any team camaraderie, and a mm-hmm. lot of that was the pandemic, and they added so many you know fresh faces and stuff like that that there. Were, there was this huge roster turnover. Yeah. You show up for week one of practice, and you don't really know who you're you're lining up to, to your left and to your right. Mm-hmm. And they lost a lot of close games. I think winning that game in overtime against FIU and kind of the way the program feels right now, it feels a little bit more of a brotherhood than it did last year. I think it's something that could propel them forward. And they need a good start against UIW because it's one of those things where if you can get out to like a 14-3 lead at the end of the first quarter, you put UIW to bed. You move on with the game. You win that game. You move on to the next week. If it goes into halftime, 24-21 or something like that, now all of a sudden UIW knows that they're in the game and you're in a dogfight. So at home against a team that you should beat, you need to line up and and start it well, get them out of there, and put any of the anxiety to bed. Yeah. I think uh, when we saw last week, I mean, you know, this FCS-FBS matchups kind of across the country, but especially last week here in the state with SFA almost knocking out Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. These aren't pushover games. There's talent coaching. There's talented coaching in these ranks and talented program building being done. So, you know, it isn't one of those – or it is one of those things where you should be able to separate yourselves, but a lot of great talent. I think last year with the pandemic, the past couple years, a lot of talent that might have – gone unscouted or unrecognized kind of fell down to a lot of these programs and we were already talking about UIW before uh this year when with uh, Eric Morris and what he's doing down there as like a program to watch so um yeah I agree I think they will be I think this is something that Texas has to get on um uh, very hand very quickly I should say offensively and we kind of saw last week how they jumped out to an early lead and then just kind of hung around and that's not something I think that can really happen this week. Or you're going to be in a fight where, oh, God, it's the third quarter and they're up. Or, you know, they're, it's 27, 2017 or 2014 or something, and they're right within striking distance of an upset. So, I think the hardest thing for a program to learn is consistency. And yes. Texas State's at that kind of crossroads right now to where, you know, can they be consistent? Can they be consistent week in and week out? And also, can they be consistent drive in and drive out? Right mm-hmm. now, they they haven't shown that ability to kind of play a full four-quarter football game. They may not need it this week, but if they do play one this week, that gives them a lot more confidence that they can do it moving forward. Right. Speaking of not needing uh, to be consistent this week, Mallory, what's next? We have Houston versus Grambling on Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch this on ESPN+. Plus. 
man, I don't know. Uh, I think this is going to be a game where Houston can kind of use this as a confidence booster because mm-hmm. I think next week is the start of conference play for them. They take on Navy next week. So oh, yeah. I think this will be just one of those games where they got to beat them handily mm-hmm. um, and just use it as a confidence booster. Yeah, I think Clayton Toon should be out of this game by the by halftime. If not halftime, then just right after halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I like that you mentioned the conference because – this goes back to the schedule of Houston, right? We talked about mm-hmm. Houston and kind of being this, uh, um, not knowing what they are uh, yep. after losing to Tech and like, oh, what's the trajectory of the program? And then I keep looking at that schedule and I was like, they're probably going to win eight, nine games anyway. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just like, they're probably going to be fine. And it's going to be weird considering like the way they lost is, I don't know, the way they lost to Tech it should have been alarming. But yeah. at the end of the season, if you look at them, they have nine, 10 wins. You can't really make a bad you kind of forget about it yeah exactly so like you know i think this game is going to be you have rice grambling and navy and navy's kind of in their own little spiral they fired then unfired their offensive coordinator this past (laughs) week so after three weeks we could be just absolutely forgotten about that texas tech loss altogether yeah i mean like y'all said this should be one of those things we're judging this game by how quickly clayton two no no longer has to play yeah you know if if he's still playing in the second half, they slept walk into walked into this game. You want to see what like UTSA did to Lamar last week, where mm-hmm. you come out, uh, you play well defensively, you play well on special teams, you play well on offense. You say, "Great first half, take a seat over there. We're going to let the young guys play." And so, uh, for me, this one comes down to really showing the consistency and the mental fortitude to show up to a game that you know you're supposed to win. And then after that, it's just getting a lot of guys reps and staying healthy and avoiding anything catastrophic. Uh, anything. Uh, catastrophic moving forward in the conference play. Yep. Mallory, moving on. And speaking of teams that should win this mm-hmm. week, <laughs> Texas Tech versus FIU this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on either ESPN Plus or Big 12 Network. And uh, Texas Tech is favored by 20, but they were also favored by a lot last week and mm-hmm. almost lost to an FCS team. Yeah. So I don't really know what to expect to see from this game. Yeah, I, I watched the full game of FIU, and I have no idea how much was – Texas State just keeping right just having hanging let them hang around or them actually like being feisty yeah um I don't think their defense is great I that was very much a Texas State really just didn't let things go or really let things uh, mm-hmm. uh get in a rhythm basically I do think their offense is okay um Max Bordenschlager is their quarterback and he, he was it was like a weird there was a weird stat thrown around and he's like he was like first in let me see no, sorry. He was 20th in the nation, highest graded quarterback through two games in the country, which is insane. Um, but he looked he's looked pretty okay through two games. He looked really good. He was able to hit a lot of his passes. Nothing really crazy or uh, complex, but I do think their offense can move the ball. Granted, I think Tech's defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that won't be an issue. And because of that, I really think that this is a game that Tech does win handily. Um, I, I mentioned I wasn't impressed with their defense. I think Texas Texas State, when they were establishing the run and trying to really focus on that, they were doing it well. I just don't think they were doing, doing it well enough. I think this week, Texas Tech, especially after last week's scare against F- SFA, some little, you know, they had their first little hiccup under Sonny Cumbie. Ooh, what's kind of going on here? I wouldn't be surprised if they just, you know what, this is one of those get-right games, beat an inferior opponent, move on into conference play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one feels like it'd be a lot more dangerous had they not had their, you know, kind of scare game last week against SFA. You'd hope that woke them up. You would help you would hope Matt Wells was able to use that all week as a motivating factor. Um and this FIU team's a, a good team. I mean they yeah. they they're maybe not 
as deep as a lot of teams in the Big 12 and stuff. They have some talent. They have some guys that really looked apart just from watching them play last week against Texas State. So, um, you know, it's a it's a game that I think we're going to learn a little bit more about Tyler Shuck and, like, what he can do and what he can't do and what this offense is going to look like uh, with him in there. Um, but this is also a Texas Tech team that has a really good running game and a, and a decent defense. So you hope they're able to rely on those and go in there and win this game, no matter if the quarterback can, you know, create big plays or not. Yeah, I think they're still waiting on. Uh, for last I heard, uh, Serato Thompson was up to day to day, which is a huge plus because you know Taj Brooks has obviously looked like the the go to guy on that offense. But if they add Serato Thompson, that potentially makes them, you know, if at the very least the second best backfield uh, with TCU in the Big Twelve. So. You know, if, if he's upgraded anymore, you know, well, this it's I guess day to day is is that unofficial uh, uh, diagnosis of of like okay, he might play this week and he might not. So if he gets on the field, this is kind of a game that you maybe hope to test him a little bit against because next week's Texas and you got to have uh, uh, you you all, theoretically should have him uh, hopefully ready for that. But you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, let's see. That's all I have to say on that. Um, what's next, Mallory? Next up, we have North Texas versus UAB, played mm-hmm. Saturday at 6.30 p.m. And then we're still debating. I think you can watch this on Stadium. Yes. Um, I'm not sure. I was trying to figure out because Conference USA has those yeah. weird deals with think, <laughs> random. Right. I think you can watch it on Stadium. Yeah. Um, UAB is favored by 12. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, – I don't think North Texas is going to cover. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. I just think it's going to be a lot – bigger of a blowout than no 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 uh no believing in jace ruder there <laughs> i i think he did look good last week i mean he we put up over 500 yards of offense last week we just yeah. couldn't finish yeah you know we couldn't we had a couple of great drives down the field in the first half we just couldn't convert them into points and yeah. into, into touchdowns i sure. should say um and i think that's just really a point where they're going to struggle against uab mm-hmm. as well um just got to get better. Yeah, I will say it's it's a bad sign that I think UAB's uh, beatdown game came last yes, week. Yes, they just got manhandled by Georgia. Right, <laughs> and they're so looking like, to bounce back. Oh, they're definitely like, okay, now we're done with that team. Got paid. Let's go back and get in get right. to conference mode. Um, and they they handled Jacksonville State really yeah, well that first State's game. A really good and team. I think that was before we really, you know, that was before obviously they they beat Florida State last sure, week, sure. and I think they're a lot better. Yeah than we thought they were. So I think I just don't think that this game is as close as people are, are saying that it will be. I think it'll be slightly close. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy stock on Jace Reuter. You know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see, we'll see this week if I'm after this week, if I'm willing to sell quickly or yeah. if I'm going to still yeah. hold on to this, because I'm going to buy some stock in him. I liked what he did with the offense. It was something we hadn't seen since Mason fine, which right. is just like that ability to, drive down the field consistently yes, right not make mistakes just keep things going and you saw that big play potential that you mentioned right just didn't turn points and there, there SMU, is potential there right and against smu that's gonna hurt so i think against uab also gonna hurt but i'm gonna buy stock i'm gonna buy stock for this week and see where it takes me i'll do if it he too. comes out if he comes out uh <laughs> i have to I'm trying to think what's the line 12? i'll be at the game <laughs> yeah, there you go. i have to uh 12 uh I'll say I'll say UNT covers. I'll say UAB wins okay. outright, but I'm gonna say UNT covers. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably leaning on North Texas to cover too. I liked what they did in the first half last week. They just kind of ran out of gas yeah. in the second half, and that happens against yep. teams with a little bit more depth and a little bit more top end talent. 
Uh, like I said, Jace Reeder looked really well. I mean, to me, this is about turnovers. If, if mm-hmm. he can keep his interceptions down, North Texas is in this football game. Mm-hmm. If he turns the ball over, they're not. And, you know, for as well as he's played, he has two touchdowns and four interceptions. That needs to be flipped. And yeah. so if he can take care of the football, and, and like uh, we were talking about earlier, if you can convert in the red zone, uh, I, I think this is a game that North Texas can surprise some people. Because um, I, I don't really know if I believe in the whole transformative like property of games and stuff like sure. that. So, uh, I you know, at home, plus 12, I, I like that line for North Texas if they can take care of the football. Mm-hmm. I do also uh, I do want to mention that I think UAB's rush defense was pretty good, so this is going to be a get, that's going to be another thing to yeah. watch out for. I think they held Georgia to under 100 total rushing yards, and they were trying – let me see. Oh, no, sorry, 163, but it took 38 carries to get there nice. as a team. So they did pretty decently against the run. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, they gave up 280, 288. Uh, Stetson Bennett completed 10 of 12 for five touchdowns, so they basically had no uh, no real effort in the passing game that was uh, yeah. that was uh, hindered at all. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be have to be won with Jace Reuter as opposed to the running game. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, let's see. Moving on, last game. Texas versus Rice this Saturday at 7 p.m. You can watch this on Longhorn Network, and Texas is favored by a hefty 26 points, but they were favored, I think, pretty heavy last week as well. <laughs> I don't think I, – I do like how they played the teams back-to-back that played each other uh, earlier mm-hmm. in the week yeah. in Rice and Arkansas. But, um, of course, Casey Thompson named the starter yeah. um, after cuts and cards struggled for most uh, – basically all of the game against Arkansas last week. Um, I think this is the game that proves why Casey Thompson should be the starter. But it's hard for me to really have a definitive opinion on that because I thought Hudson Card could have also looked good against Rice. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty I think it's pretty telling that Sark made that change because I think he knew he needed to make this change now because Hudson Card would have looked good against Rice, would have quote unquote won the job back. And then who knows what happens against Texas Tech, right? He mm-hmm. might have another slip up. Um, it's a tough stretch of games, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And I think if you make the change, you make it now, have Casey Thompson, and you have the guy that's probably more mentally prepared for those upcoming slate of games. And so I think Texas wins handily. I think he takes care of business. Um, and I think that uh, things are back to looking better for Texas because last week was a beating. Yeah. And morale, morale is very down. I see people, oh, they shouldn't have been ranked. They shouldn't have been X, Y, Z. That's yeah. a lot from a fan base that was claiming their running back should be a Heisman candidate. <laughs> but, you know, save that for another time. Um, I think they went handily. I think everything's okay. Sorry, Rice. That, that bird orange tide really changes pretty quickly. Yeah, it does. So you really Austin. see the faithful <laughs> and the uh, non-faithful. Yeah, you know. I, I can speak on this as an Austin guy. We can be a little wishy-washy as a city as a whole. So, yeah, um, you know, it extends it extends to our college football program. You know, I, I honestly think Casey Thompson is going to surprise a lot of people. I, mm-hmm. I felt like he went out of the second half of that Alamo Bowl last year and really made a claim to this job. I don't know if he's as good of a practice player as Hudson Card, and maybe in controlled settings, Hudson Card kind of separated himself in the summer and the fall. Mm-hmm. But Casey Thompson's a gamer. I mean, for as much, you know, he he was in the same recruiting class as Cameron Rising. Everybody thought Cameron Rising was going to be the next coming. Now Cameron Rising's not even the starting quarterback at Utah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hudson Card's recruited to be the guy after Sam Ellinger. After two games, Hudson Card's getting benched. You know, meanwhile, Casey Thompson has played 10 drives or started 10 drives as a quarterback, and he scored nine touchdowns on nine of them. So mm-hmm. I think this is going to be one of the – and it's Rice, clearly. 
But I think this is one of those games that's going to build momentum offensively. I think inside that locker room, Casey Thompson is looked at as a leader and a guy who's kind of done his job for the last couple of years, put his nose down, and this is kind of his reward for doing so. Mm-hmm. I think they come out and played really inspired football, and I know that's easy to do against Rice, but you got your butt kicked last week. You yeah. didn't just lose a mm-hmm. football game. like You lost a fight last week, and you lost it in a very embarrassing and public way. I think Steve Sarkeesian and that offense really puts the pedal to the metal, and they cover – uh, with relative ease in the same way that Houston beat this Rice team last week. Yeah, I think the one thing the one thing that's always interesting with the Texas quarterback battles is you have, like, I mean, dating back to Sims and Applewhite, right? You have, I mean, uh, I guess the last one was probably McCoy versus Sneed, you know, uh, rest in peace, Jevin Sneed, but like, he was the highly touted quarterback, right? It was like uh, just how Sims was the highly touted quarterback and just how Hudson Card was the highly touted quarterback. But there was something about the guy waiting in the wings when you saw him play. You saw Applewhite. You saw McCoy. You've seen so far with Thompson. We don't know if it's going to play out exactly like that. But there is something to be said about the highly touted guy who looks the part and might be a good quarterback, right? Jevin Steve went on to be a good quarterback at Ole Miss. Um, but there is something potentially about the guys that just click better in the game, right? They might not practice as well as the Hudson Cards or the Chris Sims. But you put them out there against Colorado, against Arkansas. All of a sudden, the offense is moving. The guys seem to really click mm-hmm. with them more. Um, I do know there was some stuff coming from some of the Texas media saying, like, Hudson Carr just doesn't seem like that sideline guy, which, you know, not everybody has to be. But no. there's he's also he's also still young. Casey Thompson's been around those guys more. Um, him as the backup, him playing under Sam, you know, probably saw that kind of leadership and he mm-hmm. probably is more naturally like that so maybe that is a reason to uh, potentially look at him more and maybe Hudson Card can learn from that seeing that you know there's it's going to be interesting be- because obviously you would think Hudson Card's the guy for the long term of course right um, and if, if one of them moves on uh, Thompson moves on or Card moves on whatever um, he's going to be playing somewhere and so I think it I don't know. I think that Sarkeesian, I wasn't against naming Hudson Card the starter. I thought if you ha- if you feel like you have the long-term guy in, in this era of college football, you just got to put him out there and see what happens. Otherwise, you risk losing him. But I like that he wasn't afraid to pull the tri- pull the pull the ripcord this this early. You know, just like, "Hey, look, it doesn't hurt to sit for a couple of days, you know, a couple of games. It's been a couple years since he's been uh, Hudson Card's played in-game snaps for meaningful football football last time he did for Lake Travis." So, um, I don't think it's a slight against him. I think it just might be t- uh, uh, an opportunity for somebody who's uh, game ready. And c- right now, Case Thompson looks more game ready. Yeah, and this doesn't mean Hudson Card doesn't start a quarterback against the Texas team this right. year. But yeah, exactly. If your offensive line is going to play like it did against Arkansas, you need a guy who can do more stuff off script. And yep. Casey Thompson is just better at that right now than Casey than Hudson Card. And the other thing is, he adds a dimension in the run game that can confuse the defense. When when they're running the football with Hudson Card, it's just a give to the running back. Right. So you can key on Bajon Robinson. You can key on Rashawn Johnson. With Casey Thompson, you can do some read option stuff. I know that's not Sarkeesian's, or Sarkeesian's like favorite thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, but you can add that little wrinkle in there, and all of a sudden you're asking questions of some linebackers that you weren't in previous weeks. That takes pressure off the offensive line. That's why that was invented in the first place. And so – I think, Casey, with the current construction of what UT's team is right now, Casey Thompson is the more practical uh, and higher upside guy. Uh, If everything is running well, if this program gets to where Sark wants it in a year or two, Mm -hmm. I think that's when Hudson Card can really be at his best. Because even at Lake Travis, when they they were playing against a team 
that their offensive line could control that defensive line and Hudson Carr could sit in the pocket and make plays, he was mm-hmm. tremendous. Yeah. Against the teams where the defensive lines were much better, he struggled. And mm-hmm. so that's something he's going to have to work on. And Sark talked about it. He was seeing ghosts. You know, there were a mm-hmm. lot of breakdowns in the offensive line, but even when there wasn't, Hudson was getting out of the pocket. Hudson wasn't trusting his blocking schemes. And that just comes with snaps and playing and a little bit of maturity and maybe sitting off to the side and watching it from a different perspective. Uh, we'll get him some learning points on those those things. Yeah. Uh, one more thing to mention that's not the quarterbacks is uh, Texas defensive line. Please do not get blown off the ball because, um, good God, Arkansas was having every way with you up front. And Rice, obviously to a lesser extent, will be looking to do some similar things offensively. Um, and if you get if, – if you're struggling against Rice, I'm sorry, then we got to hit the panic button because it's one thing to do it against a pretty solid up-and-coming SEC program like Arkansas. It's another thing to have uh, Stanford Light do it to you. So uh, that's kind I of – I don't know if they have an impact player on the edge. You know, they, they had yeah, Joseph Asai good, last yeah. week last year. I think they're good at linebacker. I think they're good at defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. I think that they're subpar at defensive end, and until that gets improved or if that can't get improved, they're going to struggle all year. And like I said, they have one week to fix it because then it comes the gauntlet of – like a, they start off right away. I mentioned it. Tech at TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I mean, that's almost as tough as you can get if you're Texas yeah. right off the bat. So uh, they got one week to fix it. I think they do, but, you know, we'll wait and see. Yeah. What are you guys looking forward to this weekend? I know Mike said you're going to be at uh, North uh, U- uh, Texas State UIW. Um, what, are you guys, what else are you guys looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to this SMU Law Tech game. Yeah. I think that'll yeah. be a really good – like you said, there's going to be a lot of explosive plays. There's going to be a lot of points and yards. You know, I think it'll be a really interesting and fun game to yeah. watch. It's not going to be slow. Right. <laughs> for, for me, it's the, the Baylor-Kansas game. I, mm-hmm. I, I still feel like Baylor is the team I know the least about or that I'm yeah. least my opinion about, if yeah. that makes any sense. Like, I – I just don't know what I think about Baylor. And if what I think about Baylor is true, the more I get to see them. And again, I mean, I, Kansas isn't great competition, right. but it's better than Texas Southern and you know, arguably better than Texas State. And so we get to see a little bit more about what the Bears are this week and what Dave Aranda has planned for that offense. Because I, I think I know that their offensive line is really good. Mm-hmm. I think I know that their defense is solid. Other than that, I'm guessing. And so yeah. uh, I want to see if they kind of beat a Kansas team like they should or if they play down to their competition. I'm looking forward to the two flagships. I know it sounds conventional, but you had a call up Mike this week about the quarterback uh, situation with both. Uh, and m with Zach Calzada. You know, is he somebody who – do we have to adjust our expectations for them based on his play? Mm-hmm. I think if they come out big against New Mexico, okay, that's going to make me feel better. Um, again, it's not going to be a definitive statement, but I think we'll be able to make some conclusions about what he's capable of. And, of course, with Texas. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Casey Thompson come out and just look like a more polished quarterback um, coming in against Rice going into a Big 12 play next week. So I hope to see both those teams kind of uh, flex their muscles. Again, sorry, Rice, we'll talk about you guys next week when you have probably more <laughs> adequate competition. But, um yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how those quarterback situations play out uh, this week heading into the rest of the season. Uh, anyway, that's it. Uh, that's it for this week's uh, preview slate of games. We'll be back Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, hopefully Mallory as well will be joining us for a recap episode. I'm planning on it. All right, so there we <laughs> go. Uh, good to have you back, Mallory. Mike, thank you so much, and we will talk to you guys later.